Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 30 for Rhode Island's Church and State. Today, we're going to uh, look at a couple of events that have been in the news this week, um, and even the news itself and how the news covered it. Um, anyone that was paying attention uh, to the Providence Journal or what's been happening in, in the uh, Rhode Island State House may have heard about this uh, you know, attempted insurrection at the Rhode Island State Capitol. Now, that was not the words used in the, uh, the, the article's headline, but the headline definitely gave that kind of feel. Uh, so I'll, I'll, let me just read the the headline, and then I'll let Jessica respond to it. Uh, the Providence Journal headline this past week on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday afternoon, said anti-vaccine mandate protesters try to force their way into the Rhode Island State House. Uh, Jessica, you work at the State House, and you've got staff there. What was uh, what were you hearing? Uh, was there an insurrection or an attempted to an attempt to uh, to force their way into the State House? Well, according to the videos that were available and to the individuals that were in the state house, I didn't hear from anyone that there was an attempted, uh, we'll say insurrection or forcing individuals forcing their way into the state house. That wasn't the case. Um, video of an individual that was there during the protest clearly showed that the, it was, there were individuals that wanted to speak to the governor, wanted a meeting with the governor, but the governor has not responded to them and they had a petition that they wanted to present to him. And again, there was no, there was no barricading. The police didn't have to hold back individuals, which we can talk a bit, a little bit about, um, some other times at the state house that police have had to actually hold back protesters, but, uh, we'll get to that in another time. But so absolutely not. There was no one trying to force their way into the building. Right. I saw the videos and a lot of pictures were taken, but I feel like the videos uh, provide a little more context and show the actual actions and the direction and the speed of the crowd and all that. But they were uh, uh, protesting. It was loud. They had a, a what is that? A, a foghorn that I could hear going yeah. off uh, somewhere they were outside. Loud. They were very they were chanting, yeah. you know, uh, I will not comply. Mm-hmm. So these, um, uh, these healthcare workers, and let's be clear, right? These are not uh, militia men and militia women. These are not your your you know uh, uh, cessationists. These are people that are nurses and doctors, CNAs, people that work in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason or another, they've chosen not to get vaccinated. They they're resistant to that idea, for religious or philosophical or whatever. Uh, even medical uh, reasons they may have. But the mandate coming from the governor and from um, Lifespan has been that this is a mandatory vaccine. They have to do it. Um, I think there there are exemptions uh, allowed, but they still have to go before a board. It has to be filtered. And there's no guarantee that those exemptions will be recognized. And what happens is they'll lose their job and they'll lose their license. Mm -hmm. So they can't practice medicine or or work in the medical field anymore. Would you say this is one of those issues that you've been hearing a lot of people uh, contacting you or upset about it? Yeah, that's why I started the petition because people from around the state would contact me and mm-hmm. they're, you could hear the desperation and the anxiety in their voice. And they're, they say that their senator, their rep won't answer the the phone or they won't return their, their call. 
So um, there is a lot of anxiety, a, yeah. a lot. Well, let's just go back to the way that the the local media covered this, though it was a, you know, a protest and it was loud and um, there was a lot of emotion there. And I, I don't blame them because like you said, they've been doing this now for at least a couple of weeks that I know of and a couple of times a week. Usually it's like a Tuesday and a Saturday yeah. that they'll they'll go out there and um, they've got their signs and people are driving by and beeping mm -hmm. in support. But in those weeks, they have not been able to get a meeting with the governor. Um, no. And they feel like this is not the way government's supposed to work. They just mm -hmm. don't feel represented. So, well, they're uh, not represented because the the legislature won't come back into session. So, they right. have one person making all the decisions. Where mm -hmm. you know, even if they come to the same conclusion, at least you know where your rep and your senator stand on the issue, and you can vote however you feel in you know the next election. Right. All right. So. Um, which is what my my petition is about right. is about getting the legislature back into session so that there isn't this um executive overreach exactly and, just and, one individual making all of the decisions right it's supposed to be you guys make the laws he enforces the laws the exactly. governor enforces the laws okay um all right well you uh, you clearly take issue with the headline then because no one was trying to force their way in not one person from the eyewitness testimony there's no incident that you've heard. reports there's no arrests right you know there were people at the door in the videos i could see people at the door you know inches away from the the uh or feet away from the capitol police and there were capitol police it looked like maybe six to eight of them were there state police capitol police a mixture of them and they the protesters were trying to to your point just get a meeting mm -hmm. and just so you know those individuals are there they're there already to um to monitor the building and mm -hmm. to make sure that you know, the building's safe and there's always police officers at the door usually about two of them okay. one man's the um the what's it called that thing you walk through the rotunda oh the uh yeah the the <laughs> now you got me wondering the uh metal detector yeah it's the metal yes. detector yeah and yes. then uh there's one that screens the the uh the contents of your bag whatever mm -hmm. but anyways so um there are always police officers there. And as far as I know, the building is still open to individuals. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure why there was, you know, an issue with people coming into the building, but they didn't want to come in the building. They were, they were outside. Um, and they just wanted a meeting with the governor. Well, um, what about, um, like for me, I wonder if this is part of the, uh, um, like the Trump uh, derangement syndrome, uh, the TDS. TDS. Because I do think that Trump broke people's brains. Like they see him as, you know, orange man, bad, very, you know, evil, wicked person. They see him as a puppet of the, the Russians. They see him as a, a, a despot. They see him as authoritarian. And they saw him as leading this uh, insurrection back in January, January 6th. Um, and for sure, that was a protest that definitely got out of hand. We even saw people die, but the FBI concluded that was not an insurrection. You know, they concluded their investigation and said it was, um, there wasn't a coordinated effort to overturn the government. Um, but it was, it was a protest. Uh, even CNN has had that to, got out of hand, right? Even CNN has had to say, all right, we, we have to move on from this insurrection narrative because that's just not what happened. Jeffrey Tubin, the CNN reporter who is no friend of President Trump, um, 
is is one of the the lead reporters who said, "All right, time to uh, time to you know be more honest about what happened that day. It was a protest, but." To call it an insurrection where people were trying to overturn the government is not being honest. It was uh, it was passionate. It definitely got out of hand. It was horrible what happened that day. But insurrection is um, is not the right word. And I just feel like that's kind of what we were seeing with this Providence Journal article, where it was almost like a dog whistle was going out to mm. people um, that we've got the same sort of uh, MAGA hat wearing or Trump right. fans, the conservatives or militia people are now trying. Conservatives to- are dangerous. They're domestic terrorists. That kind of flavor. Yeah, yeah. I uh, man, it's it's that kind of. Uh, hyperbolic language that is just, um, geez, it's, it's so destructive. And when I saw that article, I was immediately, you know, is there any truth to this? Like, were there people, were these nurses, you know, 60 year old women and, uh, and, and healthcare providers running through the state house, trying to take it over or trying to, you know, demand the governor or send his executive orders. And um, that wasn't the case. And that's kind of why I was really upset when I saw the article and then was able to talk to you and talk to other people who were on the ground there. That's just not what they saw. So um, when I, 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 this was painted as like a storming of the state capitol, right? Mm-hmm. People trying to force their way in. Yeah. Did you see in your time there, have you ever seen any protests actually overrun the capitol building? Yes. Has there ever been that. any insurrection, um, a storming or an occupying of the the, there has. the sacred halls of state government? Yes, there has. There has. And um, I had just briefly kind of touched on that in the beginning. And I'm so glad you asked because um, there have been times in which we, um, as legislators had to be concerned about, uh, individuals overrunning the protesters, uh, protesters, mm-hmm. the state house. Um, then, and there has been a long history of people exercising their first amendment rights there in the building. And I think that's beautiful and it should continue. And I don't care if every hall is filled with individuals, as long as you're there to peacefully protest. And we see that. Um, on Second Amendment night, which all the bills that are firearm bills are heard, we've had thousands of people. They show up in their yellow shirts and they're there um, exercising their First Amendment rights to protect their Second Amendment rights. And um, there's never been an incident with uh, with them. Um, which is wild when you consider there are thousands. Like I, I can't remember thousands. the numbers. 3,000? Yes. I, I mean, I've heard all kinds yes. of numbers thrown around. But um, it's just a sea of yellow. Like every yellow shirt... Um, it, it seems to be filling the state house, and there's not any. There wasn't a single incident report. There, no. there wasn't anyone in danger. Nothing like that. And I'm just going to point out that there was one night that I was there. I was just newly elected, and I looked up at the the roof of the state house. I don't know what compelled me to do that. And there were men with with um, snipers on the roof. I, I can't call them anything else other than that. They had their arms in their hands, and they were looking down at the the parking lot and wow and i thought to myself this is what they think of of uh second amendment supporters that they had to put men with firearms on the roof wow but there's never been an instance where there's been an issue with uh with the second with the second amendment crowd right what about with other protesters (laughs) i i can say one i remember uh june of uh last year in 2020 we there was a uh the 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 uh uh, BLM uh, protest got out of hand, and then um, they worked their way past the mall, lit a uh, 
Providence uh, cruiser on fire mm-hmm. right in front of the the uh, spray between, painted the yeah, spray painted the building spots. they broke some of the the, the Windows, doors I think yeah. trying to to break in it was a heated night I remember staying up late even listening to the governor and watching uh, Governor Raimondo try to calm people mm-hmm. down it was a tough night and there were thousands I think like 10,000 people on the steps of the state house at one point for that and I'm so glad that they get to protest and they get to walk on 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 the state house lawn but when you destroy property that's where i draw the line right yeah. there's peaceful protest and then there's rioting totally mm-hmm. different the other one that i want to point out was again it's newly elected it was abortion night what we call any bills related to life um so i euthanasia. call it abortion, euthanasia sure. whatever it was um and there were the Capitol Police had to call in for backup. And I know that there were um, local police officers, province police officers in the building. And I think I think there were state police officers there as well, state police. And they had to put their arms out to hold people back after mm. the vote so that I could make it into my office and my colleagues can make it into an office, not even my office, but someone else's office. And they had to hold people back this was to, when the bill was going through ju- judiciary, this right? This is when the bill was going through judiciary. Okay. And again, I am all for protesting and 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 coming to the state house to, excuse me, advocate on something that you strongly believe in. But when you have to have police officers hold individuals back that are wearing pink because they don't like the vote that you uh, made, mm-hmm. and you have to be escorted, some had to be escorted to their vehicles, some had to be escorted to their offices. I had to be escorted to an office at one point because there was a mob of people that were yelling, that were threatening us because they wanted us to vote a certain way. If we didn't, I was with you that night, and I, I remember I, I was like, I'm, I'm walking Jessica back. I I did not feel the energy of that crowd was positive. <laughs> it was it was uh, wild and inflammatory. So I remember just taking my phone out and recording the whole thing too so that if something mm-hmm. did happen at least there would be some evidence of of um you know who did what and people were yelling shouting right in your face um trying to get as close as they could to intimidate you right and um and you just walked right past them i mean to your credit you were very bold and and brave that night it was not it was an intimidating thing i i just remember the feeling being like this is not a safe environment it just takes one person to do something weird and things could get out of hand tonight yeah yeah and as i as things started to die down a little bit of course there's always like a a remnant left behind and so i was walking to my office and a few of them found me decided to follow me to my office while berating me and you know, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to keep walking and make it to my office and thank them for coming and voicing their opinion and close the door behind me. But, um, that was not the only, there were, there were other individuals that had the same experience mm-hmm. again, had to be escorted to their vehicle by police because there's so angry. And those protests did not stay in the hallway. They were following some of these lawmakers to their homes, showing up literally standing in their front lawns in the morning when the lawmaker would wake up and go to work. And they would have, you know, six or seven of these women dressed in weird costumes Mm -hmm. trying to intimidate the lawmakers. Um, And then even in the in the state house, the protest did not stay in the lobby, but they ended up even taking taking over over the uh, The Senate Senate chamber. Like 
I don't know, a hundred of them. It just, they filled the room. There's mm-hmm. a, a picture that Ian Donis put up when he was remembering what happened back in May of uh, 2019. And uh, it showed just how, how um, uh, big that crowd was. Right. They, they were everywhere. And at no point did I ever go on social media and call these people insurrectionists. At no point did I make any comment about their behavior at the state house. I understand that it's, you know, an emotional issue. And when emotions are involved, sometimes people can act unusual. Um, But so I don't like what's happening with uh, the media where they paint a certain narrative and I'm not saying for all media, but they paint a certain narrative. Well, conservatives are very, uh, you know, they're insurrectionists, they're aggressive. Look what they're trying to storm the the state house. And that did not happen. Hmm. And I'm also going to point out one other time, because I was talking to Senator Matz who had been there probably served the longest legislator served in the house and then served in the Senate. He's no longer um, a Senator, but we talked that night and I said, my God, I've never, is this what it's always like at the state house? And he goes, no, no, it's really not. But, um, you know, this is a, you know, a very emotional issue. He goes, the only other time that I've ever seen something like this at the state house was the banking crisis. Hmm. And I, I mean, I think I was probably like a preteen or early in my early teens when that happened. Cause I remember my parents being very concerned because they had money in, in the credit union. Yeah. And he said that the only other night that rivaled that night, the abortion night, was the banking crisis. People were angry, and rightly so. You know, they've got their savings tied up, and they're afraid what's what's going to happen to those savings. So, there are times that this happens, um, but it's not it's not all the time. Right. Well, that um, I think that's the closest we got to people storming the state house. And even then, you know, they were allowed to come into the state house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they were allowed to go into the chamber like that. No, no. In Because there's a sign that says, you know, like private or off limits or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but to see people um, um, just kind of overrun the, the building uh, that uh, that evening, that, that was a surprising thing. And it was a show of force and it was meant to intimidate and Certainly try to was. Show, show the governor and the lawmakers that they, um, they were a force to be reckoned with. And of course, it, it worked for them. Uh, to their credit, they were able to get their abortion bill passed. Um, so I, I don't know. Any final thoughts on this? I'm, I'm, it was interesting to see that the initial tweet that, that caught my attention by this uh, journalist, she did take it down. So I think she knew that maybe she had um, overstated or, or um, overstepped a little overstepped bit. a bit. Yeah. Maybe in the moment she uh, she was getting flashbacks to January 6th and felt like this was another one of those kind of insurrections. But I think in hindsight, she realized she, she was wrong and she took it down. But I think it's those kind of things that we that. Um, journalists and influencers, they just have to be careful, you know, take a deep breath before you tweet something out because you, um, you, you can make a, I think you can make something much worse by, by overstating or exaggerating something. Um, and I think all of the evidence that's come out from that day showed that it was a protest and it wasn't anything more than that. Certainly wasn't the most dangerous one or the most, uh, damaging one or the most violent one. And it doesn't mean we agree with it. No, I mean, we never. No, we're just talking about a First Amendment right, exactly. and we're talking about the the, um, the the responsibility of journalists to cover it, you know, correctly and and accurately. For me, I would say I 
I, I think it's great that individuals show up in force at the state house in Rhode Island and have their voice heard. Um, I, it doesn't matter what you're there for. If, if I agree with your stance or not, I love to see people engaged in government. And as long as it doesn't cross that threshold where you're intimidating anyone, where you're um, uh, destroying property. Right. That's, yeah. I totally agree with that. You, you have the right to petition your government. You have the right to peacefully protest mm -hmm. and you to should assemble. do it to yes. assemble. Mm -hmm. But when you take, when you cross that line, that's where I have an issue. I think we totally agree. No surprise there. At no least surprise. on that one. Yeah. We won't agree on wh where we're going to have our date tonight, but we, we agree over, uh, the first amendment and, um, how, how it is a sacred right. And I respect journalists and I, I know that it's so hard to get some of these stories right and it's um it, 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 there are thousands of people that, that are going to have an opinion so uh, so i know that uh, this was maybe uh, um you know the one article or the one tweet that missed the mark but uh, but yeah. it's a careful. hard job you know mm -hmm. it it i i really respect journalists that i know that maybe they lean a certain way but they do a really good job at bringing it down the middle yeah and we are all human i make mistakes so this is true with anybody else. So but, I've got to give them a, a little bit of grace sometimes. Right. Like when I grew up, I, I, I didn't have Walter Cronkite. I had Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings and Dan Rather. And for a long time, those three voices were, um, were kind of voices of, of truth where I, I didn't question. I just said, oh, all right, this is uh, what is happening in the world today. And I couldn't really detect a lot of bias or mm -hmm. a lot of... Um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, I didn't get the sense that there was propaganda or hyper hyperbole or even clickbait. I just got the sense that we were, um, you know, being this, informed. Yeah. Being informed. And, uh, I miss those days. I, I wish we could have some of that, um, that kind of news media back, but maybe the world is so different these days where it has to be clickbait because you got to pay your bills and stuff. I don't and know. And that's why we don't have cable anymore. We don't have cable. Yeah. And we've chosen, whether it's Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, we just we stay away from those because it's all corporate media and their number one agenda is to make money, profits for their shareholders. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't want to fill my head with, uh, with propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for, for listening in today. I hope you have a great week and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. Stick around for today's closing quote. Today's closing quote comes from none other than Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, the only weapon that we have in our hands this evening is the weapon of protest. That's all. Do it one more time because of that truck. Okay. Today's closing quote comes from none other than Martin Luther King Jr. He said, the only weapon we have in our hands this evening is the weapon of protest. That's all. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.